look at Acts 19, verses 11 to 20, and we want to hear now the Word of God. If you found it, say amen. Amen. Now the Word of God. And God did extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were carried away from his body to the sick, and diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant, itinerant means they moved around a lot, Jewish exorcists undertook to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you, or I urge you, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know. And Paul I know, but who are you? And the man whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, mastered all of them and overpowered them. He beat them down so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon all of them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled, lifted up. Many also of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them, found that it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Now let's read verse 20 together, because verse 20 is very important. It really is, in some sense, the heart of the whole sermon. So let's read verse 20 together. So the word of the Lord grew and prevailed my this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Bow your head with me and let's pray. God, thank you for another Sunday. Thank you, Lord, that our bed was not our cooling board. As my grandmother used to say, as Deacon Smith used to say, my robe was not my winding sheet. Let us wake up to see another day. God, we just want to say thank you. Take over right now. Fill the preacher that he may preach. Fill the people that they may hear. Let us all leave more blessed, more healed, more touched and more spirit-filled than when we came in. In the name, above every name, the mighty and master's name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. God's people say, Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor tell them, thank God you're here, neighbor. Thank God you're here, neighbor. Well, neighbor, you look better when you come to church. So you better keep on coming, otherwise your looks might slip. Tell them, neighbor, that is the word from the Lord. This afternoon is a great creation in the dark. Turn to the other side and say, Oh, you up in here. Tell them, Thank God, thank God. Tell them, Neighbor, there is a word from the Lord. The word of the Lord this afternoon is a great creation in the dark. Shake hands like they're going to give you some money. <laughs> what was the title? A Great Creation in the Dark. I want you to think with me for a few minutes. Consider with me for a few minutes. Reflect with me for a few minutes on this question. came to me before some years ago. I believe it was in the summertime. I was out in nature enjoying God's great creation. I think I was in a park, maybe Prospect Park, 
I was looking around, and the question came to me, don't answer the question, please. This is a reflection question. Some of us got to learn to keep things in our mind. Yeah. And not let them come out of our lips. So this is such a question. But I want you to reflect the question. And I asked myself this question, what is God's favorite color? Sitting in this park, I looked around, and it was a beautiful day. I saw the grass, saw the trees, saw the expanse, and I said, God's favorite color must be green. Look at all of this green. Look how beautiful it is. So I was content with that for a second, and then I sat back on the bench and looked up. It was a beautiful day, and I saw the clear blue sky. And I saw the clouds, the bright white clouds, and the clouds were moving slowly, and they would move, and I would see the beautiful blue sky. And I said, no, God's favorite color must be blue, because the sky is so large, and He made the sky. And I thought about it a little bit more. Nighttime came, and I was still on the same question. I wasn't in the park, but I was somewhere, and I looked up in the sky, it was a clear night, saw the stars, it wasn't a full moon, but the moon was bright. I saw the blackness. Now you all know, we in the city don't know real blackness. See blackness, you got to go down south. They had told me that in Alabama it was so dark that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. My father took me to Aunt Lucy's house. The family went down there. And I told you this story. He told me, he said, boy, but he had something serious to tell me, he called me boy. He said, boy, I was young. He said, boy, don't make any noise. Because Aunt Lucy is half deaf, but she got a shotgun. She's been robbed. And if you make noise, she might wake up and shoot you. Now I wanted to say, why am I staying here, Dad? But my father was intent on giving me certain kind of experiences, so I didn't need to follow Sure enough, I had to go to the outhouse in the middle of the night. Uh -huh. If your children don't know what an outhouse is, you need to explain that to them. Come on. My father had told me that she had a bathroom, but they had to fix the toilet, but she had a working outhouse. So I asked him, Daddy, is that toilet paper? He said, yeah, the grass is right outside. I said, Larry, are you saying the grass is a toilet paper? He said, well, there's no toilet paper here, and they use the grass. Anyway, I remember from going down south. When you look up, oh my God, see the beauty of blackness, the black blanket, the blankets in the sky. So that night I was considering this question that day. I came to the conclusion that God's favorite color must be black. Black is a combination of all colors. All the other colors on the color spectrum come out of black. But black did not come out of them. Black is the color which dominates the vast reaches of the universe. And the vast multiverses all are on a background of blackness. Yes, throughout the universe, black holes, comets, explosions, we see our sun burning bright, so there's white, blue, red, yellow, but the background of it all is black. So I said, no, God must love black. And when it comes to humanity, when God wanted to make humanity, God didn't go to Latin America. God didn't go to the North American continent. God didn't go to Asia. 
God didn't go to Australia. God didn't go to either of the Arctic poles. When God got ready to make humanity, God stepped in Africa. Amen. He made humanity out of the dust of the earth. And as James Weldon Johnson said, he breathed into humanity breath of life. Man and women became living souls. Yes, Africa is the motherland of all humanity. And if I can talk to some of my white friends, I tease them and I say, y'all really black? Because <laughs> all of humanity came from black people. Look at any great civilization, the founders were black. You go in Mexico, you go to the oldest known Mexicans, they all look like you. You go to China, you see the first people who settled China, they all look like you. You go anywhere else, you see the original people, they all look like us because humanity spread out from Africa and spread all over the globe. And so once I saw this, it further reinforced my appreciation of my own blackness. I lived through a movement that taught me black was beautiful. I lived through a movement that taught me you don't have to say if you white, you all right. If you yellow, you mellow. If you brown, stick around. But if you black, get back. I lived through a movement that said Montu Azuri, beautiful people. Montu Azuri used Afro Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I didn't have a long hair. I never did, huh? But I got a hot comb and heated it over an oven. Put it in my hair so I had nine straight up. <laughs> like Don King. I wore my afro. Yes, black is God's favorite color. And I'm proud to be an African American. I'm proud to be a member of the black community. And I'm proud to call myself a black man. Amen. Today I want to celebrate one of God's greatest things that he ever created. That is an expression of the Christian faith which grew out of the experience of those who were enslaved, the sons and daughters of Africa in the USA. Notice I don't call them slaves. They weren't slaves, they were enslaved. And they were enslaved by a brutal regime of everyday terror. Terrorism wasn't invented in 9-11. White folk invented terrorism a long time ago when they went on the shores of Africa and defeated our forefathers in battle and sold us in chains brought us to this country. The only way the system of slavery could be maintained was through everyday brutality of castration, rape, beating, torture, and murder. So no, they weren't slaves, they were enslaved. Come on, come on. One of the greatest things God did is took these enslaved Africans and he introduced them to Jesus. Uh -huh. Now you can call it African-American Christianity, some call it the black church. My mentor, Dr. James Washington, you see this uh, chart, this periodization chart I gave you. He called it uh, the black church movement. You can just call it black American Christianity. Whatever you call it, it was one of God's greatest creation. In the Bible, we see God always doing something new. God starts out with a man, then he makes a family. God works through the family, but then God works through groups of families called tribes. God works through the tribes, but then God works through groups of families, groups of tribes called the nation. God works through the nation, and the nation has kings, and the nation divides, and then God says, God says, I'll come down myself. 
and I'll die for my poor, wicked, sinful creation. When he rose, he left the church. And then we see new things in the church. The church had to struggle with who was our message to? Is it just the Jews or is it the Gentiles? And then we see in the book of Acts, God bringing the message to Gentiles like those believers at Ephesus. So we too are part of that same movement because throughout history, through the great expanse of international colonialism, the great century long, the great six, seven hundred years of Western European colonialism, God brought us to this country and, and out of many histories, he shaped all of us to we're sitting and standing here right now. And I want to tell you, when God let us meet Jesus, it was one of the greatest things God ever did. And oftentimes, it's overlooked, understated in our history. Oftentimes, we don't even know it ourselves. And, and let me just say that black history, you know, we, we know this is Black History Month. Black history doesn't start with our enslavement. Mm -hmm. Right. If you want to start black history, on this on this book list I gave you, Chieka Diop has a book called The African Origins of Civilization. We all know that the Europeans take their civilization from the Greeks, but all the Greeks studied in Egypt. And Diop says Egypt was an African nation, a Negro nation. The great pharaohs and the great queens of Egypt look like you and I. And it has been hidden from us and it's been distorted from us. So if, if, if we want to start right. our history, we have to go with Lerone Bennett. Lerone Bennett has a book called Beyond the Mayflower. And I was reading this book and I opened it up and I read this line. It says, for 6,000 years, black men ruled the world. Uh -huh. I closed the book. And I walked the streets. I walked the streets about two hours, just repeating it in my head. Because it was such a revolutionary thought to me. For 6,000 years, black men ruled the world. I know somebody said, he's crazy. It was something I had not been taught. And listen, can I talk to y'all? Some of us have been to grammar school, we've been to high school, we've been to college, we've been to grad school, and some of us like me have PhD and we still ain't educated. Most of that education did not tell you your history, did not tell you who you are, did not tell you where you come from, it didn't even tell you how this society works. So Carter G. Woodson said, you ain't been educated, you've been miseducated. Can I go ahead and talk? So, a lot of times, and I dealt with this last year, I preached a sermon last year, the same time last year, the sermon I really enjoyed, I hope you did too, but I did it, you did it. <laughs> it was called, Is Christianity the White Man's Religion? Yes, yes. That's oftentimes thrown out against us. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the, I'm going to bring the notes so you can see the answer to that question. But... If you're sitting here today, Christianity can't be the white man's religion. That's right. I don't see too many white people in here. And I welcome them, you know. I welcome them. Amen. Our history has been lost, stolen, distorted, and destroyed. And a lot of times in our history, what is overlooked is not what white people tried to do with Christianity, but what we did when we received Christianity. Mm. Are you all listening? Come on. We didn't just take Christianity from white people like they gave it to us. As a matter of fact, 
the first group of people who tried to teach Africans Christianity were uh, Episcopalians. They were in something called the Society for the Propagation of the Gospel. And they taught through catechism. And they tried to teach Christianity, teaching blacks that they were inferior and they had to accept slavery. Now, how many of y'all know they didn't get any converts with that message? <laughs> Amen. Amen. But it was not until 1740 in the first and second great awakening when the revivalistic Methodists, the revivalistic Baptists who believed in preaching, yelling, screaming, getting so happy that they laughed and being full of the Holy Ghost. And they didn't care about slave or free. They were determined to preach to anybody. It was not until that revival that Africans began to get converted to Christianity. And when they got converted, they brought a lot of African traditions, African customs, African beliefs. They brought rhythm, and they brought movement, and they brought a vocality that had not been seen even among the European Euro-American revivals. And this unique creation oftentimes is not stated by people like Black Hebrew, people like Nation of Islam, all of whom attack Christianity in an attempt to empty the church and fill their temple. Uh-huh. Come on. So, Come on. Don't listen to what the enemies of Christianity say about it. Listen to what people who practice it tell you about it. And so a lot of times they don't understand the greatness of what God was doing when God began to convert us to Christianity. I can't even tell you today. I don't have time. I don't think I took too much time just really trying to make this point. African American Christianity, black Christianity, black church movement to black church. It was one of God's greatest creations. And if we really would understand how great it is, we would have to read some books. I'm just going to call these books out. And I said this morning, listen, buy books and keep them in your house. Even if you don't read them all right away, have them in your house. How many of you all, your parents, in an attempt to educate you, brought you a set of encyclopedias in the house? Look around. All of our parents were thinking the same thing. And all of them probably had the same encyclopedia salesman telling them your kids will be smart. And how many of y'all didn't read encyclopedias that much? We still have books from when I was a child. They're full of dust in my mother's house. But it was her attempt to educate us. Listen, buy these books and put them in your house. And one night, before you go to bed, you might feel the Spirit saying, read that book, read that book. You would have to read Albert Rapato's book, Slave Religion. Somebody say, Slave Religion. Somebody say, Albert Rapato. Albert Rapato has a chapter in the book, Slave Religion, called The Death of the Gods. And he talks about how Africans could not, they were prohibited by law from worshiping their gods. So there was a period where they couldn't worship their gods. They White people were trying to figure out whether or not they should preach to him. If they preached to him, would they set him free? There was a period there that he called the death of the gods. They stopped worshiping their gods. And then came the revival and came preachers who preached about Jesus. And Africans, Africans became converted to Christianity. It was a merger of African culture forms with revivalistic expressions, as I said. And so when black people got into Christianity, they brought a new thing. They brought clapping. Oh, I ain't even talking about clapping like this. No, I'm talking about clapping like this.
some black stuff right there. That's some Africans. So when Africans came in, they brought dancing. Because you know Africans dance. If you make any rhythm, Africans will start dancing. That's right. Are y'all listening to me? And so the Africans would dance in the circle, and early black Christians would get in something they called the ring shop. And they would shuffle around, I've done it before, and they would shuffle around in that circle until they felt the spirit hit them. And when the spirit hit them, they said, that's real religion. And they even taught some of the white, but you know, a lot of the white people were scared of this. Because white folks can't dance, most of them. And they get their dances from us. Matter of fact, everything we do, they are soon to follow. All of our slang, all of our hairdos, all of our, now they've got their lips big, they shoot uh, air in their behind or whatever they say. They want, they want that good life. Can I talk to y'all up in here? They hate us, but they want to be us. Oh, y'all and y'all ain't talking to me. Come on. When black people, let me hold When black people came into Christianity, I would have to take you to Carter G. Whitson. Carter G. Whitson didn't just start Black History Week. We now have it as a month. Carter G. Woodson started the uh, Journal of Negro History, which still goes on. There's an association of Negro history, very famous. They still do great things. They just met in Indianapolis. But Carter G. Woodson wrote about the black press. He wrote about black doctors. He wrote about education. And he wrote a book called The History of the Negro Church. Matter of fact, it was one of the first comprehensive histories of the black Christian experience called the History of the Negro Church. You can get this on Amazon, you can get it on Barnes and Nobles, you can probably get it from a black bookstore. If we, I were really to show you how great African American Christian tradition is, I would have to take you to the great W.E.B. Du Bois. He wrote a book called Souls of Black Folk. And in Souls of Black Folk, there's a chapter called the faith of our fathers, uh, had he been living today, he probably would call it the faith of our fathers and mothers, but he called it the faith of our fathers. And he said, African-American Christianity is characterized by three things. How many things did I say? Three. He said, number one is characterized by the preacher. And he said, the preacher is one of the greatest figures on the earth. He said, the preacher is a combination of the head of the tribe and the African uh, historian, the real. He said the preacher was the embodiment of a lot of the people's hopes and dreams, a lot of the people's strength. And the preacher, through his oratory, helped to put the community together. And he said uh, that the preacher, by virtue of the preacher's sermon, helped to change people's lives. He said the second feature of African American Christianity was the music. And we, I don't have to tell y'all nothing about music today because you heard some of it in this church. <laughs> Black Christian music is the foundation of all American music. It is the foundation of blues. It is the foundation of the spirituals and black, uh, black traditional work songs. There were singing, at people, black people sang on the job. Black people sang when they were working. And that those traditions shaped the blues tradition, which shaped the jazz tradition, yes. which shaped the rhythm and blues tradition, which shaped ragtime, yes. which shaped uh, uh, anything you want to think of, which shaped hip hop, which shaped rock and roll. All these guys in rock and roll, the Beatles and all of them, they admit they took their music from old blues guys in the South. Yeah. Every Muddy tradition that's popular yeah. in the Western world of music was started by folks who were connected and enshrined in the black church. That's 
why Aretha Franklin had to have an eight-hour funeral, because she represented the greatest tradition of all, that's yeah. the most American tradition in music. Come on, Third thing that characterized African-American religion is the spirit. Because how many of y'all know ain't nothing like seeing black folk in church get the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit? When I was little, there was a fellow named Floyd. He would shout so hard, they would get around him. They would, they would come in. Stand here, baby. Come in, we'll show you what they used to do. And we don't do this And when he shouted, you'd be shouting, act like you shout. They were told they were half eight. They were told they were gorillas. 
They were told they were barbarians. When they got Jesus, Jesus let them know they were somebody. Jesus let them know they had a home in heaven. And Jesus let them know the wickedness of the system they were involved in. And even though their masters pretended to be good and righteous, they said, I got shoes, you got shoes, all God's children got shoes. When I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my shoes, I'm going to walk all over God's heaven. I can't walk around in the society. Heaven, heaven, everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. If we're talking about their masters, they just couldn't say that. Can I go ahead and talk? And so it was therapeutic. And you know what? Christianity is still therapeutic. And a lot of us sitting here right now need a therapist. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and tell them Jesus is available 24-7. To therapize you. Tell somebody else that he'll give you therapy for free if you call on him. Tell him he won't even give you a bill. Because Jesus paid it all. Somebody shout hallelujah. said it's socially revolutionary. It was revolutionary for black people to have assert their personhood. For black people to have community. Black woman and black man were not allowed to marry. Black man was made to breed. If you study history now, the histories are coming out where the black man was made to uh, sleep with other white men. The black woman was made to sleep with other women and sleep with men. They were raped on a constant, consistent basis. But yet still, these black people were determined to have a family. And that's why when, we preach, when I preach this series, Fight for Your Family, I'm talking about something that comes out of a long history. I watch TV, I see all these movies about white families, and how white families want to come together, how white families do that. But let the truth be told. Truth be told, this country for 450 years divided black families. Truth be told, they separated. Separated children didn't start with immigrants at the border. They were separating us a long time ago, right off the boat from Africa. Yet still, man and woman decided they love each other. They heard they were supposed to be committed. And they committed to each other and they jumped over room and they struggled to keep their families together. Don't you let the devil tear your family apart. Our Christian faith, one of God's greatest creations in history. Don't wait for TV to tell you you're sitting in greatness right now. That's right. Sitting in a great tradition. Sitting in a great history. Don't wait for the systems of white supremacy to recognize it. You singing and shouting in a great tradition. Don't wait for the weak and racist school curriculum to teach you. You're not going to teach you this. They're not going to teach you what I'm teaching. I was in seminary. When I started teaching the truth about something, all of the students go to the dean and complain. The dean called me. This happened to me three or four times. The dean called me in the office and said, we have complaints about you. I said, what's the complaint? You un-American. I said, what did I say that was un-American? He said, you seem to be hostile to the nation. I said, oh, what was hostile? When I talked about how you murdered the Indians and stole their land? What was hostile? When I talked about how you kidnapped the Africans? What was hostile when I talked about how Custer had a last stand because he made many stands killing and raping Indian women? Uh -huh. What was hostile? Then they said, oh, 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 oh that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Professor. Go ahead and talk. Help oh. yourself. Some truths are hard to get, but uh -huh. you see things happening and you don't know why it's happening. But it comes out of a history that you haven't been told. Can I go ahead and talk? Help yourself. 
Don't rush. One of the reasons our kids act so crazy, nobody told them who they are. All of our kids running around talking about, I can't do math. You need to be sure your people invented math. Amen. Your people invented science. Amen. They still don't know how the Egyptians built those buildings. Amen. Given the technology that they had. They still don't know how the people, the great pyramid of Zimbabwe, they still don't know how the Zimbabwe has built that building. Uh -huh. And what she had. Yeah. Our children are not taught about the greatness of their own history. Their history starts with slavery. That's what I'm saying. Bible books and read it to your children so they'll understand. Because who they are is kept from them. Not only who they are back then, but who they are now. You've seen that Facebook thing about what was invented. Almost everything invented that we have on was invented by black people. The, the stoplight, the gas mask. We were talking the other day about the rent. The rent. Wake up, Dean. Always going to stay with me. The rent. The rent. The monkey. Anyway, I know this history. I'm going to be excited. You better take the rent. Listen. You know why they call the rent the monkey rent? Because the great boxer Jack Johnson invented it. When he wasn't knocking people out, he was inventing things. And they called it the monkey rap because they called Jack Johnson a monkey. Oh, y'all. Teach, Pastor! Teach it! Teach it! <laughs> they don't want you to know how great you are. They keep you weak, they keep the liquor store full. Uh huh. They keep you weak, they keep the dope trade going. They keep you weak. Keep your daughter as a whore in the strip club. They keep you weak. They make your son do uh, have no hope and do nothing and wind up in prison. But they make money off of every contract in the prison. They keep you weak. They can move you out because you can't even get organized to fight gentrification. So they're not going to teach you your history. If you know your history, you might not be weak. Each period of our history, black Christianity has stood up for our people and for our community. In slavery, it helped create a community. In the rural agricultural period, it helped us understand Ku Klux Klan, the segregation, the second-class citizenship that we're still suffering from. The urban industrial period. Listen, I don't have time. I don't have time, that's why I wrote it down. Go home and read this chart. Read down first. Read down first, and then read across. And you'll understand the three periods. I've tried to summarize 450 years of black history on one piece of paper. Of course it can't be done, but it's a start. Urban industrial period. Church came and helped black people get used to the cities from the country. But the question is, will it continue to help us in the postmodern period? We're in the postmodern period. Touch your neighbor and say, we're in the postmodern period now. Touch someone on the other side and say, it's the postmodern period now. Corporations dominate the society through technology. Seven-year-old guy has seen more stuff than we saw when we were 15 to 16. Corporations dominate society. They change how we eat. They change how we think. And they change how we act. This is the postmodern period. Black people are locked out of unskilled labor, and the education our children receive provides no access to the type of jobs that are, are predominant in society. 
and it doesn't prepare them to work in the private sector. And then we have a government that sponsored a heroin trade in our community. We have a government that sponsored a crack trade in our community. And I hear about the FBI and all the problems the FBI. I remember how the FBI spied on every black leader we've ever had. Almost all the way down to Marcus Garvey. They spied on them. But the main thing is our government is behind the crack trade. I was in Harlem in 1985. The streets were clear. You know, it was a little crime, stuff like that. But there were no dogs, there were no pit bulls, there were no pussies. And overnight, crack files everywhere. Overnight, pit bulls and rock wilders everywhere. Overnight, oozies everywhere. And I knew to myself, this young man in the school, I said, this cannot happen without the tacit agreement with the government. What I didn't know, and not only were the government tacitly agreeing through the CIA, the government was actually setting it up. And all of these shootings and all of the craziness was sponsored by our government making illegal money so they could do things in the dark. Our community still is not recovered from the heroin trade. One time, I'll never forget, can I talk to y'all? Help yourself. Let me finish in a few minutes. I was standing in line at Cargo Bank on 125th Street in the summertime, because I worked on 129th and Lincoln. And the Lord told me, look at the woman in front of you. And as I looked at her, I looked all the way down in her vein. They were full of drug marks. And the Lord said, look at her arm. All the way down, all over her arm were track marks. And the Lord said, look at everybody in this room. And almost everybody in the line in front of me had drug marks in their veins. We have not recovered from what the United States government had done to us recently, much less 450 years. Come on, Pastor, preach it. So the question is now, can the black church still say? Mm. The question is now, I was talking to Elder Owens, we were talking about the black community. Elder Owens looked at me and said, what are you talking about? I said, the black community, man, you know, Elder Owens said, is there any more black community? He said, people have community on Twitter. Uh -huh. People have community on Facebook. Uh -huh. People have community on Instagram. He said, do you know your neighbors? <laughs> Sign in here, people. Community is disintegrating. Are y'all listening? Yes. And so what that means for the church, amongst other things, is can the church still have a saving role for the community? Now I don't want you to answer that. I want you to think. Don't talk, think. Can the church still save the community? Now I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about black churches everywhere. Y'all know what we do. Everybody don't do what we do. Well, if we're going to save the community, we're going to have to go to Acts 19. Everybody say Acts 19. Acts 19. You go home, this is your homework tonight. Everybody say homework. Homework. Read Acts 19. Read Acts 19. Acts 19 is a chapter about the Holy Spirit. Because there were some people who believed they had not received the Holy Spirit. You have an easier life in church if you recognize everybody in the church ain't saved. And a lot of people don't have the Holy Spirit. Once you understand that, whatever can happen in the street, it can happen in here. Shouldn't, but it can. Because everybody in the church has not received the Holy Spirit. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. But there's some lessons in chapter 19 that we got to get. 
This is lesson one. If anybody ready, say ready. Ready. Somebody said, we got to come in. What you got to come into is you got to come into salvation. Touch your neighbor and say, come into salvation. Come into salvation. Touch the other one and say, come into salvation. Come into salvation. Now what I want to tell you is, we read verse 11. Paul was working miracles. But Paul wasn't working miracles because he was an apostle. Paul was working miracles because he was saved. Part of salvation is miracles. Miracles come with salvation. Somebody said, I didn't know that, Pastor Taylor. That's because nobody read you the scripture. Can I talk to y'all today? In the book of Mark, chapter 16 and verse 17, this is what it says. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Salvation means a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Salvation means a new kind of life. So grab that neighbor and tell the neighbor, one of the byproducts, one of the consequences, one of the things that comes along with salvation is the presence of miracles. Tell a neighbor, if you are saved, then miracles belong to you. Touch them on the other side and say, in your salvation, receive miracles, but there's also the power to work miracles, because salvation is miracle business. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says Paul was working miracles. Paul got to be so bad, he didn't have to go work the miracle himself. He could take his handkerchief and some give it to somebody else, and they would take the handkerchief to somebody else, and that person would get in. Are y'all listening to me? Now, salvation is not just a matter of you believing. It's a matter of you knowing. Look at what the demon said to the seven guys. The demon said, Jesus, I know. Jesus been kicking us out. Jesus been binding us up. Jesus been sending us to the pit. He said, Paul, I know. Paul been kicking us out. Paul been binding us up. Paul been sending us to the pit. But who are y'all? I don't know you at all. So salvation is not just using Jesus' name. Salvation is knowing who Jesus is. And if you know who Jesus is, you got power to work miracles and receive miracles in your life. Trust Jesus Christ. Oh, y'all ain't working with me. Look on the other side. Say, neighbor, these signs follow those that believe. They can work miracles in Jesus' name, and they can receive miracles. Now, if you can receive this, your miracle is on the way right now. Anybody can believe that. work some kind of miracle somewhere. Yes. Hallelujah.
you. Somebody said, do it for me, Lord. Drink of the demon cup. 
and expect the Lord to deal with you. God don't play like that. You might, but God does. Can I go ahead? The Apostle Paul was casting out demons. And after God moved so powerfully, some Christian after the, the demons tore the man's clothes off. The demons leaped the man behind. Seven of them. Running around naked. The man walked down the street and said, wow, why are those guys naked? Somebody said, demon, I beat them, I beat them. Everybody got scared. And there's some things you should be afraid of. You should be afraid of demons. You should be afraid of devil. And so the Bible said the Christians brought their secret books. They brought their magic books. They brought their zodiac. Pisces, Virgo. <laughs> Brought the black magic. This home dollar bottle. Brought the rabbit's foot. Brought the white power. Brought the black power. They put it all together and they burned it. Because you got to come out some stuff. So you can get the demons out your house. If you cast the demon out the living room, but he got a secret stash in the bedroom, he, he ain't gone. That's like that mouse. If you try to kill a mouse, you got to make sure he's dead. You can hit a mouse, and these mice now, I don't know, they've been eating vitamins and stuff. You can hit a mouse now, he'll run. Like some of these roaches, step on they turn around and say, what? They run.
Professor Thompson and I have been working together in Bible study. In 1 Thessalonians 2 and 13, the Bible said the Word works in us. Everybody said the Word works in us. Listen, you'll never be strong until the Word is working in you. You'll never be strong until God's presence is in you. And not only does the Word work in you, the Word has got to grow in you. Because the, word, the Bible said the Word of God grew and it prevailed. So you've got to let the Word of God grow and then you've got to let the Word of God prevail. The Word prevails when you make the Word win in your life. Can I go ahead? Yes. The Word prevails when you let the Word win in your struggles. Yes. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. you got to let the Word of God work in your life. Yes. Tell them, neighbor, neighbor. you got to let the Word of God work in your struggles. Yes. Because God is not through working on you.
you trust me God, you will make it. I know it doesn't matter who's president, doesn't matter what force comes against the community. I know if you stand on the word of God and let the word of God grow in you, let the word of God break every yoke and chain in you. Let the word of God fill you with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible said, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Hallelujah. Somebody can say liberty. Hallelujah. Let the word of God fill you up. Hallelujah. You get closer to Him. Hallelujah. You'll be able to stand through the storms of life. Hallelujah. He never told you you weren't going to have a hard time. That's right. That's he told right. you, Lord, I'm with you always. With you. always. Always. Even to the end of the world. Yes. Thank you, Lord. He never told you you weren't going to suffer. You weren't going to struggle. But what He told you is you'll be victorious. Put your faith and your trust in me. Hallelujah. You need a rock to stand on. You need a foundation to stand on. Jesus Christ is the rock of our lives. Hallelujah. He's here right now. Spirit is here right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know, listen, I've been here almost 30 years. I've struggled with everything. But I'm standing on the solid rock. Come on now. Yes. Saw somebody, they say, you still happy? I said, Jesus is still on the throne. Somebody said, you still smiling? I said, Jesus is still in charge. Hallelujah. Stay in the word of God. Let the word of God grow in me so that it can prevail. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness.
for your word this afternoon. Yeah. Woo! Thank you for your word, Lord. Yeah. Lord, if we didn't have hope in you, what would we do? Yeah. Trouble on the outside, trouble on the inside. Trouble far away, trouble up there. But God, I thank you. The choir is saying you're the same God. Hallelujah. You met us in slavery. You met us in rural agricultural. You met us when we came to the city. And now that we're in a day and time where people just feel like I got to do me. I got to do my thing. I got to do what I want to do. I don't care about nobody. I got to get mine. You still say, I am God. It shall be, there is none of You still say, look to me all the ends of the earth and be saved. Yeah. You look, you say to us, our Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you Lord. Lord, we just want to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. That you have not changed. Your mercies do not fail. Great is your faithfulness. Now, God, we just ask right now that you touch every heart and soul here today. Where there's despair, place hope. Where there's fear, place faith. Where there's weakness, place strength. Where there's sickness, place healing. Heal everybody here. God, some people have never had a miracle. Give them a miracle right now. God, you work so many miracles. You may not know you're a miracle worker. Sweep through the temple right now. And work miracles on the left and right. Sweep through the temple right now. Heal, deliver, and set free. Break a habit somebody can't break. Break a yoke somebody been trying to get out of. In the name of Jesus, set somebody free right now. Give somebody to know that you're real and that you're calling them. Hallelujah. For you said, if he that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his or her belly shall flow rivers of living water. I hear you say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So God, right now, if someone doesn't know you, help them to pray this prayer. I want everybody to pray this with me so we learn how to lead somebody to Christ. Dear Lord, Dear Lord forgive me of my sins. Tired of doing my own thing. Tired of going my own way. Come into my heart. Save me. Lord, take my weakness. Give me your strength. Lord, take my confusion. Give me your conviction. Lord, take my pain. Give me your healing. Lord, take my sorrow. And give me your joy. Lord, I want to be saved. I trust in you now to save me. Come into my heart. Come into my mind. Come into my body. I give you everything I have. I call you Lord. I call you Savior. And I give myself to you now. According to the word that I have heard. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray. Amen. Pray that prayer.
feel full and let me join today. Stay up there. Everybody else.